This podcast comes from online worship on Sunday, the 2nd of May. So I just want to welcome you all to our evening service. And we had a service in the Mount Kirk earlier this morning, a joint service with East End Parish Church, and it was a great time that we had together. And um, so I have some hymns, some prayers and readings for service tonight, and I also have a recording of the message that I gave at Mount Kirk earlier uh, today. A couple of wee things just to mention before we get started. Um, Firstly, next Sunday it will be an online service only, and that's at 12 noon, the usual time. And then the following Sunday on the 16th of May, we're hoping that worship would be able to resume in the East End uh, that Sunday. Uh, we've had permission to open a new building in Belleville Street. It's number 49, Belleville Street. And uh, so that service is going to be at quarter past 12 at the East End Parish Church. And we're also planning to have a service at Mount Kirk that same day at half past 10. Uh, so it'll be two services on the 16th, one at half 10 at Mount Kirk and one at the East End Church at quarter past 12. And you'll have to book for both of those just in the, in the usual way. Couple of other wee things just to uh, to mention. Um, a number of folks have asked me about my kilt walk, and I've left a little link in the description if anybody uh, wants to support me in that. I think the closing day is uh, midnight tomorrow night, May the third, is the closing date to give towards that. Uh, and I've been overwhelmed really by the support that people have given. Uh, so far, it's been really uh, wonderful and uh, completely surpassed anything uh, I really expected from the Kilt Walk. So many, many thanks to everyone who's given towards that. And it's for the work of Young Life uh, here in Greenock. One other wee thing, I'd like to ask you to just rem remember a family in your prayers. Agnes Mackay is known to... A uh, number of folks at the East End uh, Church and also at Mount Kirk. Our son Colin sadly passed away a couple of weeks ago and Colin's funeral was just on Thursday past. And um, Colin's uh, daughter Orla also attends Messy Church, Messy Friday in the East End Church uh, as well. So she's very well known to the congregation there. So please keep we Orla and Agnes and her husband and all the family in your prayers at this very a difficult time. Now, wherever you're listening or watching, and for those listening in by telephone later on, uh, we're just going to gather together in prayer as we begin our time of worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we commit this time to you in prayer. We bring our day, we bring our concerns and our worries. We bring all the things that burden us, all the things that are on our minds at the moment. And we come to lay them at your feet. As we bring our worship, as we bring our thanksgiving, to be reminded who you are, that you are Almighty God, the creator and maker of all things. 
You are the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of Israel, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we acknowledge who you are today, we ask that you would be with us. The Bible reminds us that although you are a God who is holy and separate from us, you are still a God who is very near. You are a God who is with us. And you made your presence known to us in the clearest way in the coming of your Son, Jesus, into this world. And so, Lord, we thank you for Jesus, our Saviour, our King, our Lord, born in a stable in Bethlehem, lived in Galilee, taught his disciples and called them to follow him. And Jesus offered his life for us on the cross as a sacrifice for sin so that we might be forgiven and set free from our sins, that we might receive the gift of everlasting life. We thank you that Jesus rose again from the dead and that we too, like him, will rise again one day. We thank you that he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And when Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit upon the church. And we have the Holy Spirit with us now to encourage us, to fill us with your joy, to open the scriptures to us, to glorify Jesus, to direct us and guide us in how we are to love you and follow you and obey you. Lord, we thank you that through the Holy Spirit you give gifts to your church, you empower your church to fulfill the calling that you have placed upon us, to take the good news of Jesus to the nations. And Lord, as we pray together as a church, we pray for our world. Lord, we are thankful that things are moving in the right direction in our own nation in how the government is handling the the virus at the moment and more people are getting vaccines but while we rejoice in that we also have mixed emotions as we think of those in other parts of the world where things seem to be getting worse we think of India where people are dying in their thousands every day at the moment we think of Brazil as well where there are just so many cases every day and the hospitals are filling faster than doctors and nurses and staff can cope Lord we pray for a turnaround in these nations and Lord we pray that the other nations of the world would be moved with compassion to send the supplies that they that they need Lord, we also pray for Agnes and her family as they mourn the loss of Colin. Lord, give them your peace, your strength, your comfort in these very challenging days for them as a family. We pray for we Orla as well. 
Lord, you would give her peace. That she would know your presence in her life and surround her with those who will support her and her family and bless them. And so we pray now together the church family prayer that Jesus taught his first disciples as we say our Father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom the power and the glory forever Amen we're going to sing uh, a couple of hymns. Uh, now the first is by Celtic Worship. Uh, we're going to sing Be Thou My Vision. And then it's myself and Eden singing uh, a wee song called Jesus Strong and Kind. Uh, and then I've got a, a recording of my message, which I preached at Mount Kirk this morning. And then at the end of the service, I'll come back and I'll uh, say a prayer and do the benediction at the end of the service. So let's worship together. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art.
Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, thou and always. Thou and thou only, the first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. Thy treasure thou art. High King of
showed me on that cross He will come to me For the Lord is good and faithful He will keep us day and night We can always run to Jesus Jesus strong and kind For the Lord is good and faithful He will keep us day and night We can always run to Jesus Jesus strong and kind Jesus strong Just have one reading from the Bible for you today, and it's from the book of Acts, chapter 1. And uh, those who were maybe listening to the online service uh, last Sunday, uh, you maybe heard me saying I was starting a new series of messages going through the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. We're not going to read through the whole book, but just looking at some of the major things that happen uh, throughout that book. And I was saying last time, uh, the book of Acts is really a part two to Luke's gospel. That's kind of how we've got to see it, because Luke wrote the gospel and he also wrote the book of Acts uh, as well. And here in chapter two is describing what happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was first sent upon the early followers of Jesus. So he tells us, when the day of Pentecost came, all the believers were gathered together in one place. And suddenly there was a noise from the sky which sounded like a strong wind blowing, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw what looked like tongues of fire, which spread out and touched each person there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to talk in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, religious men who had come from every country in the world. And when they heard this noise, a large crowd gathered. They were all excited because each one of them heard the believers speaking in his own language. In amazement and wonder, they exclaimed, these people who are talking like this are Galileans. How is it then that all of us hear them speaking in our own native languages? We are from Parthia, Media, and Elam, from Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, from Pontus in Asia, from Phrygia and Pamphylia, from Egypt and the regions of Libya near Cyrene. Some of us are from Rome, both Jews and Gentiles converted to Judaism. And some of us are from Crete and Arabia. Yet all of us hear them speaking in our own languages about the great things that God has done. Amazed and confused, they kept asking each other, What does this mean? But others made fun of the believers, saying these people are drunk. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would bless to us this reading of your holy word. As the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, fill us with your spirit today. Open your word to us that we would hear your voice, 
that your spirit would make the scriptures clear to us, that we would understand. And Lord, help us to see how you are also working in our lives today, that your spirit is with us and able and willing to empower us in the same way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At the very end of this passage, the people who hear what's happening ask a question, what does this mean? There's a lot of strange things going on in this story, and we're maybe left asking, what on earth does all this mean? People speaking in strange languages, all these people gathered from all over the world, people watching, thinking the disciples are drunk, what on earth? is going on. I think one way to summarize it is that what is happening here is that the people who are gathering together, those early followers of Jesus, and as far as we know, we're told that there was 150 gathered there together, along with the 12 apostles. You remember Judas Iscariot? Um, uh, died after the death of Jesus. He took his own life. And then after some time after Jesus' ascension to heaven, the disciples had to choose another apostle to replace them. So at this point, there's the 12, and then there's 150 of them are gathered together to do what Jesus asked them to do. He said, wait, wait in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And what they're experiencing is God himself. They're having a real experience of the living God. They've been with Jesus face to face. I don't know if you remember some of the words that Jesus told them before he ascended to heaven in the Gospel of John. It says, it is better for you that I go because I'm going to send someone else, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you always. But Jesus was limited in a human body to some extent, who he could be with, where he could go. But Jesus told them, it's going to be better when I go, because when I go, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And that means that every single person who believes in me can have a real experience of God, that they can know the Holy Spirit for themselves. And that's why Jesus said it was better that he should go. And I don't think they really understood that until it happened. It didn't make any sense to them at all. So we quote I'm going to put up on screen. I might need Jamie's help as the remote is so far away. I'll go back one. This is from a, an American preacher who lived around about the 1910-1920s, A.W. Tozer. And he said this, I want the presence of God himself, or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God has, or I don't want any. Now you may find it surprising, but I 100% identify 
with what A.W. Tozer says there. If God isn't here, I'm not interested. I've no interest in religion. I've no interest in rituals. I've no interest in anything that goes with that. All I'm interested in is God. If God is not in the church, then I'm wasting my time here. But I'm here because I believe that God is real, Jesus is risen, and he's given me a gospel to preach. And that you can experience the reality of his presence. Just the same as those early followers of Jesus. There's a reason why people flock to church in the great revivals of the past. In the Isle of Lewis, hundreds of people turned up at church in the middle of the night, banging on the doors to get into the prayer meeting. People coming from the pub. Some of them half cut, turning up to church. And what did they want? They said, we want God. God's here and we want him. Same in Wales, 1904, 1905. 100,000 new believers were added to the church in the space of a year. And Wales is a smaller country than Scotland. And even smaller then, at the beginning of the last century. People went to church not because they were looking for rituals or for fancy buildings or for any of that. They wanted to know God. The sad reality is that there's a perception that people aren't interested in God today and that's why they're not in church. And I can tell you that is by and large not true. Many people want to know God, but the perception is that God is not to be found at church. God is to be found walking in the forests or the hills. God is to be found somewhere else, or maybe he's not to be found at all. People want to know God. And on the day of Pentecost, the people experience the reality of God. And that's why the book of Acts tells us the church grew day by day. Because people could see the reality of God before their very eyes. If we go to our next slide. What does all of this mean? I think to understand what's going on in this story, we need to understand a wee bit of the background. The day of Pentecost was not something new. It was invented by the early Christians. It was a Jewish festival. It happened for hundreds of years before this. And it was 50 days after the Feast of Passover, which is when the Jews remembered their rescue from Egypt, when Moses led them out of Egypt 
into the desert and into freedom from slavery. And 50 days after, which is where the word pente for five, Pentecost, means 50 days after Passover. So literally 50 days after the crucifixion of Jesus was the feast of Passover. And at this point in time, in the days of the Roman Empire, there were many Jews were scattered all over the world at that time, all over the Roman Empire. And you can see that by some of the place names, the people who are there that day. And people would come to the great Pentecost festival from all over the world. They would come on a pilgrimage. Many people would come for Passover and would actually stay for a month or two in or around the city on a pilgrimage, just as people go to Mecca today or Santiago de Compostela in Spain. People came on pilgrimage to Jerusalem and they stayed there. And you maybe recognize some of the place names that are mentioned and some that are no longer used. There's a few other place names there we won't recognize that are part of modern day Turkey as well there. So the Jews were all scattered around. I don't know if you noticed that there's also Gentiles there as well. Gentiles who had become followers of the God of Israel who had converted. People from all over the known world. And they were there to celebrate the festival. And the festival of Pentecost was sometimes called, it was sometimes associated with um, harvest. Um, In certain parts of the world that are nearer the equator, they can have two harvests in the year just because they have a warmer climate. Um, Our sort of farming cycle works a little bit differently because we have very cold winters. In other parts of the world there can be a first harvest and then a second harvest. And the day of Pentecost marked uh, a harvest in the land but had a spiritual significance as well. It was the gathering in of the first crops of the year in effect. And I wonder how much that tells us about what God is doing here. People from all over the world were gathered in that day, from all over the Roman Empire, from lots of different races, from Africa, from Europe, from Asia, from the Middle East, from all over. And they were all there in the city that day. There's another connection with another biblical story. Some of you may remember the story of the Tower of Babel. Remember that story in the book of Genesis, where people built the Tower of Babel, uh, which is where the city of Babylon was founded in modern-day Iraq. And it's still there to this day. The ruins are still there. And they built a great tower, believing that if they built a tower big enough, they could reach God. And God confused them, and they started speaking different languages and unable to understand one another. And because they couldn't understand one another, they scattered across the world. If you remember, this happens after the flood of Noah, and people have settled in that particular part of the world in the Middle East, and they haven't spread out as yet. And so after that day, people spread out throughout the whole world. 
And I think what God is doing here is bringing people back together again. He's bringing people to the city of Jerusalem to worship the one true God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what's really happening here. Okay. And when they received the Holy Spirit, it's what Jesus had promised would happen. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told them, wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit and you will receive power when he comes upon you. And then when you receive power, you're going to take this message to the nations. So what God is doing here is not just bringing people together for a big party and that's it. They're being sent out again to the nations of the world to take the good news of Jesus to the whole world, to both Jews and Gentiles alike. And that's what the Acts of the Apostles is all about. That's what this whole book is about. The gospel going out from Jerusalem and to the rest of the world. And it's only because they waited. They waited for God. They had a real experience of God. And people could see it and people recognized it. Our next slide, Jamie. They spoke in other tongues. In other words, they spoke in other languages that people heard. Sometimes people try and explain this, so it's just the people there understood what they were saying. They were all speaking one language, but everybody understood in their own language. But that's not actually what it says. It says the disciples spoke in other languages and the people listening heard in their own language. So it must have sounded like a complete babble. That's the word we use, isn't it? When everybody's saying something different. Uh, just like the Tower of Babel. It was a babble. And yet everybody heard in their own language what was being said. And they were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, the good news. Now what happens here is a one-off. It only happens once in history. There's a second occasion where there's a group of Gentiles in Acts chapter 9 uh, who received the Holy Spirit in the same way. But these are two unique incidents where there are people speaking in other tongues and then everybody hears in their own language. And there is a gift of tongues that is given to believers that the Apostle Paul talks about later in his letters. And although it's related, what happens here is a one-off, not to be repeated. We go to our next slide. Maybe you wondered, why is it called the Book of Acts? It's because they did something. (laughs) They acted. They acted on what God had told them to do. They acted on what God had given them, the power of the Holy Spirit. They didn't just sit there in Jerusalem. They were scattered throughout the world and they took the message of Jesus with them. They actually acted and did something. I often think there's two extremes in the Christian life. And 
Usually most of us are tended towards one or the other. We can be devoted to prayer and reading the Bible and spending time with God on our own. But if we don't do anything with that, it's only doing us some good, not our community, not the rest of the world. And then there may be others who just want to get doing stuff, roll your sleeves up and get things done. But if you're not relying on God to help you, if you're not waiting on God, if you're not spending time with God, or spending time in His Word, you can be taken off away in wrong directions, doing lots of stuff, but not doing the right stuff. Lots of activity, and it may seem quite ineffective spiritually. And so there are two dangers. We need the Holy Spirit, but we need to be doing stuff as well. I think we have one last wee slide. I love this quote from Corrie Ten Boom. Some of you will perhaps have seen the film that I think John and Andy showed in the church a few years ago about the story of Corrie Ten Boom. She was a Dutch lady who rescued Jews during the Second World War and her father kept them in their house and she ended up in the concentration camp along with her sister herself. A woman of deep faith and she actually survived the concentration camps and went on to have a really powerful uh, ministry and wrote books as well. And this is what she said. Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting and tedious of all work. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. And if you know anything about her life, it, it was very much like that. It was very much like that. That even in the concentration camps, she spent time in prayer, but she also got her sleeves rolled up and helped uh, the other women in the camp as well, and children. She was a practical woman, but a godly woman as well. And I think in the church today, we need both those things. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need to be practical. We need to be doing what God wants us to do. When you think about it, God took 12 ordinary men, and he turned the world upside down. They weren't academics. They were fishermen, joiners, builders. Most of them had ordinary jobs, and God used these people to turn our world upside down. In those days, Christianity didn't have any, they had no money, they had no power, they had no buildings, they had no leverage with the Roman Empire. They were seen as the enemy, and yet they turned the world upside down with the message that Jesus was risen, and that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. If God can do that with those 12 men and the 150 that were gathered together on the day of Pentecost, he can do it with us as well. If we wait on God, we ask for his Holy Spirit and then we're prepared to do what he asks us to do. We pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. 
May we be encouraged and lifted up and inspired to seek your Holy Spirit and the power that you offer to us. It's not a power to glorify ourselves or to make a name for ourselves, but it is a real power in order to glorify Christ, to lift Jesus high, to make his gospel known, to see your kingdom come in this world and in our communities. So Lord, today fill us with your spirit. Put a fire in our bellies, the fire of your spirit. And just like those early disciples, give us courage and boldness to proclaim your gospel in whatever way you call us to do. Some will do it quietly. Some will do it through their actions. Some will be given the words to say. But whatever way you call us to, Lord, give us the boldness and courage to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you everyone for listening in to our service uh, tonight. We come to the end of our time of worship and uh, hopefully you'll be able to join with us again next Sunday. Uh, just a wee reminder, online worship next week will be at 12 noon at the regular time and then the following Sunday its service will be in Mount Kirk Church and then at the East End Church at quarter past 12 um, we will have something online later on, um, but it will probably be a shortened version of the recorded service from earlier that day. So I'm just going to ask God's blessing uh, upon us all and let you go your way. Now may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with us all now and always. Amen. So take care everyone and I'll hopefully see you soon. Right, bye now.